You're listening to Framework, where we dig into the research, planning, and building that goes into bringing products and services to market. I'm Rob Hayes. And I'm Tom Creighton. And today we're talking with Alicia Kassam about Side by Side Collective. For those who don't know about it, Side by Side is a year-long mentorship program for women in Toronto's design and technology industry. If you're interested, we'll drop a link in the show notes. Alicia, how about a short intro to yourself and your history in the product industry? Sure. So I come from an experimental design background uh, in academia, but I managed to find my way into product design about eight years ago. I've worked at a couple of different agencies, and I'm now working at Shopify as a product designer. And I think with with that experience, I noticed that there was a lack of leadership of women in the at the leadership level, and I wanted to create a program that would be able to affect change at that level by providing women, um, agender, non-binary designers, and technologists with that level of goal-oriented mentorship and support. So what's been your experience in finding design mentorship throughout your career? Yeah, so finding mentorship is weird. It's, it's kind of like dating, but it's different because the expectation is a little bit more unclear. And I think whenever I found mentorship, I kind of stumbled into it. It was usually within the workplace in some way, or I'd go to a hackathon and definitely just creep somebody um, and message them on Twitter and ask them if they'd be open to having a Skype call or a coffee. But it's something that kind of stuck with me pretty early on in my time in the industry. I had a CTO at one of the first companies I ever worked at who, when I was struggling to figure out what I wanted to do next and if I even liked what I was doing or the industry as a whole, he had asked me to meet with a different person every week and have coffee with them and ask them about their career. And then for the ones that kind of stuck out and I felt that, you know, maybe I wanted to emulate those careers, he asked me to try and, well, asked me to ask them to kind of be my mentor and see where that went. And so I guess I've just had this history of always having a couple people in my life where I could speak to about my career. And that played a really big role for me when I was trying to decide what jobs I would take or not take or negotiate etc. Have you found that your mentorship experience has been different as you've had different positions within the industry? So like different kinds of startups or, or different kinds of companies? Or, or has it been fairly consistent? I think it's been different. You know, I mentioned when I was at my first ever place of work, and I was meeting with quite a few different people at the same time, it was because I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. So I think with mentorship, it's kind of important that the person that is mentoring you at least understands your role at some level. So, you know, with side by side, something we try and do is we don't pair people who are like 10 years apart in experience. We want the mentors to still remember what it's like to be, you know, tinkering away in sketch or in illustrator or whatever, and also be able to have the context of, you know, what it might, what it might be like to be a lead in one of those positions. So, for for me, I kind of, you know, I had a large group of people who were like very diverse in the types of um, advice they could offer me. But as I became more clear about what I wanted to do, I started to seek out people who could help me with that specific goal. With that diversity of advice that you were looking for and that you were getting, what what value has that given you as your career has progressed? Where have you really put that put that into practice? I think it was interesting because, you know, eight or nine years ago, the lines between all these different disciplines were a little grayer. Um, and at the time, I thought, 
you know, should I be a product manager? Should I be a design? I don't know. I just worked at a startup and I did a bunch of different things and there wasn't a specific title for that. And I think having the variety of different, you know, voices or influence on my life helped me figure out like titles and job types or whatever aside, what were those people doing? Why did they like it? And, you know, could I kind of see myself fitting in within that landscape? Um, and even now I have mentors that are, you know, like really specific to their abilities with like within like service design or, you know, at an agency. Um, and then I also have people in my life who don't work in design at all. And they're able to offer a more objective perspective, I think, and kind of like there's things that we forget by working in tech that, you know, other people have to deal with all the time. It's nice to have that variance and perspective. For sure. Is thinking about mentorship something that you were actively talking about with colleagues at, at different positions that you've had? Or is it just something you were observing as you went through your career? I think there was something like I was, I did become a little bit more intentional with my thoughts around mentorship. I think I became more intentional about mentorship when I had my first ever female mentor who actually worked within the same company as me, but in a different office. And the types of advice she was giving me were just things I had not heard before, or were they seemed like these very subtle things that you should totally know if, like, you're a person delivering the kind of work that I was doing. Like I should have had that feedback earlier, but I think possibly other folks maybe felt a little bit more uncomfortable providing me with that feedback. And she was able to be really direct. And I noticed immediately the impact that that type of input had on my life. And then when I joined Shopify, I had a similar kind of notice a similar thing where like, there was a pattern in terms of what some of the younger or more junior women were feeling in terms of like confidence and, you know, like how do I approach a situation where someone might be speaking over me? And like those are conversations that are kind of difficult to have. And we ended up creating this, I guess this was like kind of a test for me in my mind about side by side, but we made this thing called the Breakfast Club and uh, it was just a group of women every once a week in the mornings talking about these themes and you know a lot of I sent out a survey asking what were the things you wanted to speak about the most and it ended up not being about like people interrupting you or or being worried about um like how you're perceived or anything it mostly just came down to confidence and that tied in a lot to the earlier conversations I'd had with my female mentors so I think I kind of started to put these two pieces together where I realized Mentorship is super, super important for sure, but also when you are um, a minority in the industry or the company that you work in and there are these like systemic barriers that exist for you as a person, speaking with somebody who understands that provides you with a lot more insight than, you know, just like somebody who didn't have to deal with that, with those struggles. Mm -hmm. So you were pulling out like a lot of, of commonalities uh, with the people you you were speaking with that were just like issues that weren't normally being addressed. Yeah. And I remember telling like the stuff that um, this mentor had, had told me, I shared that with someone else. And she just looked at me and said, how come no one ever says this stuff? I should have known this two years ago. Mm -hmm. And yeah. um, I mean, it's little things. It's not like 
you know, life changing. But it's it's like, how do you carry yourself or um, speak in a way where people are going to maybe listen to you more when you're in a in a meeting or something? And it was little things like that that had really helped me um, at my last job. And when I shared that with her, it really helped her also. And I just kept thinking, like, how is this a thing that we don't talk about? So you've kind of touched on the the ad hoc nature that mentorship takes place in. Were there any like structured mentorship opportunities that already existed out there that you've seen, uh, good or bad, that you wanted to kind of want to build on or or, or, or try to improve? I, I mean, I know that there are some that exist within like a corporate structure. So like I think there's one called Everwise or something that I think a couple companies are testing out right now. I hadn't seen anything that was available to me at any point in my career. And so what I wanted to do was was make something that had structure but also felt like a community. So it wasn't this like corporate um, thing where you like sign in and you m- meet your official mentor and it's, you know, a little bit cold. I wanted the experience with Side by Side to feel different, like to feel like you're supported by a bunch of people, not only your mentor. And that like the mentors themselves are also getting that support too. So if they encounter problems um, with their mentee, they're able to talk about that in a group setting. And that was something that I hadn't seen before. Cool. Yeah, that's what I was trying to get at is kind of what what was the what was the current landscape of of mentorship that you're that you started thinking about this in? What else was available? Yeah, I'd probably just add that if we're talking about the lands like the landscape of mentorship, it's it mostly feels really ad hoc. And most of the questions I've had from people when I talk about this stuff is like, they just don't know how to ask someone to be their mentor. Like I said, it's like dating, but it's worse. It's so awkward. And, you know, what if you ask them and then you realize that they're not very good or (laughs) they don't like you or, you know, some other reason why it just doesn't work out. It's an uncomfortable thing. You don't want to burn a bridge in the industry. And I think people just feel that it's a little bit intimidating for them. And they so they just don't broach the subject unless it happens organically. Interesting. So I think I know the answer to this question, but do you think the opportunities out there for mentorship are equally available to both male and female designers or, or non-binary designers or any underrepresented group? Really, I it, from the sounds of it, you weren't finding a lot that spoke specifically to your experience. I mean, I think the the opportunities that are available are pretty limited. But if you, if you look at it from a structured perspective, but if you look at it from like the availability of people who are like you, who have had your history and career path, and you know you can see yourself in them, and you want to emulate their careers, I'd say that like yeah, men have a better shot at finding someone <laughs> like that. And yeah, I think the you know, people ask a lot about why we decided to make this a gendered program. I mean, it's not really gendered. It's just like, it's kind of not for guys. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) I will say that, uh, I will say that, you know, the real reason wasn't like, I want to create a mentorship program. It was, how do we create change in leadership teams? Specifically, I started really small. So specifically in Toronto, why are there not more women in leadership positions in in design or technology roles? And like I've worked, like I said, for eight or nine years and very rarely saw women in those roles. And at my last place of work, we'd been talking about this and someone I think said 
something to the effect of, well, 10 years ago, there weren't really that many women in design, so they haven't been able to move up um, in the same way that men have. And, you know, that's kind of not true, I don't think, because, uh, you know, eight years ago, I was working in design. That's not that far off from 10 years ago. So I think we don't do a good enough job of helping women move up within companies or women don't have the support that, you know, men might have. There's a whole bunch of different biases that exist within the workplace. And so what we wanted to do was use this mentorship as a way of changing that. So for us, was ha- like the success of the program is having that gender equality at a leadership level and having women support each other to help to get to get there. So that's a very that's a very focused problem that you've got there. When did you realize that that this is a problem that uh, you needed to solve that you wanted to take part in solving? <sighs> Good question. Um, <laughs> that was heavy emphasis on that side. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's good. <laughs> um, okay, I I think I realized it was a problem when I switched jobs and noticed the same things that I'd seen in myself and other people and like that I still continue to experience. And I mentioned I had spoken to somebody at like my, at my current um, place of work and I'd, I'd shared with her some of these tips that a previous mentor had shared with me and the way that she was able to just take it and run with it and was eager to to hear more and to ask for more and more advice, I started noticing that like two people would ask me to have coffee and then three people and then four people. And at one point I'm having phone calls with like six people regularly to help them with stuff. And that was unsustainable. Like I I wasn't helping anybody enough because I just didn't have time. And I just kept thinking like, oh, I have all these great friends who are amazing women um, in the industry and would totally would love to help somebody. Like we all want to give back to the community because we wanted to be easier for people for for you know people who are coming up than it was for us and when i asked them about it they're like yeah i would totally want to have um you know to like mentor somebody and so i think it actually started with me just noticing that this was like a small kind of problem and sending an email out and you know honestly i think i sent this email like two or three years ago and then just never did anything with it and then when I saw this happening again, I sent another email to like a, a more focused group of people and everyone was like, yeah, I'm interested in this. And so I kind of thought like, okay, there's interest from both sides. Now I just have to figure out how I make this become a thing. And, you know, whether or not I need to be the one that solved this problem, I try and make side by side, not about me, but about the amazing mentors that are, you know, very um, willingly giving their time to spend with somebody in a focused way over the course of four or five months. And I actually, I don't really feel that I'm like solving the problem myself so much as just being this vehicle for other people to meet. And then they solve the problems, which is great. So I feel a little bit like a facilitator. Yeah. In in that sort of initial stage, when you were realizing that, you know, those those one-to-one relationships really don't scale uh, past just a handful of people, what what approaches were you considering for for trying to solve this problem at a at a larger scale or with a larger group? So I I had originally thought maybe I'll just send an email and the the, the women that I know I'll just pair them with people that that I know so it just stays within my social network or 
the network that I, I know. And then I thought, there's probably a lot of other people who feel this way. I could also make this into a bigger thing and like have some way of pairing people with some kind of program or something. That turned out to be a lot more work and I am not a developer, so that was not easy for me. And so I kind of settled on this middle ground of like, hey, I know this is something that the people I know want to do, but you know, is this is this a um, a potential program that appeals to a wider audience? I don't know. And so I decided to kind of do a lo-fi website and announcement and share it and just see what happened with it. And you know, I figured I'll I'll deal with figuring out how to pair these people after I see how many people even apply. Like I didn't want to spend a bunch of time and energy making this complicated process for something that no one wanted to do. And so I really treated it as like, here's an idea. I think it's pretty cool. I'm going to like see if other people also think that. And if they do, then I will figure out how to do this program afterwards, which maybe wasn't the best approach now that I think about it. But at the time, I just, you know, I, I honestly wasn't sure if this was something that people wanted to do. And so like thinking about the mechanics of the program was a little less important to me. I just wanted to be sure that people were sold into the idea of it. So yeah, you mentioned something about the Breakfast Club that you were organizing at Shopify. Was that kind of one of your early approaches to solving this problem kind of within the scope of, of your company? Uh, yeah. And it was it was a reaction to, I think, how many of us were also feeling in the wake of this like Me Too movement and just, you know, the political climate a year ago. I mean, still there, but worse. Here we go. We'd solve that. Huh. <laughs> I just think it, it was a time where we were all sort of questioning things and it felt like a really nice way to get on the same page as a bunch of other people and to, in a safe space, talk about the things that, you know, you're finding difficult in the workplace or outside of that. And it wasn't really thinking of it like a test, but I guess it kind of was because when we ended up having these conversations, a lot of the problems that I'd made assumptions about um, when it comes to side by side were like validated in a lot of the conversations we'd had at the, the breakfast club, which has sort of ceased to exist. Um, but that's okay. <laughs> It'll come back when it's needed. So that's, I think, intentional or otherwise, uh, as you said, sort of a prototype for, for side by side. As you sort of realized this could be a larger thing, did you try and validate this idea in, in other ways? Or did you just realize the need was there? Like the problem has existed for me in such a large way that, and I just... You know, like I said, I'd, I'd spoken to a few people. I had the evidence of like many women trying to talk to me kind of like all the time. And if I go speak at an event, the line of people coming to speak to me is usually women and it's really long and they just want to know really like basic things. And I don't know, it just, it felt like, I don't know how to explain this. It felt right. Like I'd spoken to a bunch of people, like I said, who are willing to be mentors and that was the thing that I was worried about the most. Like, was I going to be able to find that many mentors? I wasn't sure, but I knew that I'd like tapped into something because even when I just like briefly mentioned it to folks at work or like outside of work, people's eyes lit up and they're like, oh, I've never had a mentor and I've always wanted one and I just didn't know how to do it. And so I took all that information and I thought like, you know, I think from a personal perspective also, this is really meaningful and I think it's a thing. And 
I'm going to just put it out there and see what happens. And if it's not, that's okay too. It wasn't like I was trying to make this. It turned into something way more than I thought it was ever going to be. And I just wanted to see if people were interested in it. So you spoke about the the value and, and, and what people are looking to get on the mentee side, but from a mentorship side, what what is the real value that people were looking to get once you started to reach out to potential mentors and, and, and see if they were interested? So yeah, I was I wasn't sure about that other either, other than like, you know, the warm, fuzzy feeling you get when you do something for someone. <laughs> which is like a is that's a, a legitimate reason. That's yeah. a reason. But so I actually didn't go find mentors. I put something on the internet and then mentors found me, which was great. And when they did that, they had to fill out an application with like their goals. So, you know, what is the reason that they even want to do this? And most of the ones that I selected wrote something to the effect of, I want to be able to learn from someone too. And it's been, you know, I want to be able to give back in a way that's meaningful um, and if I'd had this when, you know, five or six years ago, I think it would have made a really big difference in my life. But the key thing I think that is super interesting is that we don't in side by side presume like any power dynamic, like the mentor isn't the only person that's like dispelling knowledge and uh, like information and they have all the secrets and the, you know, they're just like giving it to the mentee in pieces. Um, it's more like this for lack of a better word, like a symbiotic relationship where you're learning from both sides. And, you know, I was speaking with my mentee yesterday and I was just thinking about how I feel like an imposter as a mentor sometimes because I swear I learn way more from her than she learned from me. <laughs> but yeah, I think it was the fresh perspective you get from someone who's newer to the industry combined with like the experience of someone who's done it for a long time that lends to really interesting conversations. And I think what mentors saw was an opportunity to to have that and to even have a connection with somebody that you, that you don't know, make a new friend, um, be part of a community. Those were all things that I think appealed to the mentors in the program. Interesting. So it was really, really the same motivation on both sides. The only thing that really separates it is maybe experience and, and kind of having a broader context from being in the industry a bit longer. Yeah. And I think, you know, mentees might have more tactical goals, like I want to get a new job or I want to move countries and have a new job there or or whatever. I mean, those were those are real things that I saw people write. That's fine. They had like really specific tactical things they wanted to do. And we really enforced, not enforce that, but encourage it, I guess, with goal setting. So the mentees and mentors go through a period of time at the beginning where they set goals for the mentee. And the mentor is meant to like help them over the course of X amount of months, um, either reassess those goals or like help them complete them in some way. And so that part of the relationship is a little bit more structured. But I'd say the the community and the stuff that you get outside of those specific things like jobs or whatever um, is like an added benefit. What was the first step that you took in in actually turning side by side into a real thing? The first step I took was I made a Pinterest board of what my brand would be if it was a person. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, well, I do know why. I have a, a good friend that <laughs> 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 I I was trying to figure out like, okay, I know what I want this program to be and I just like I don't know what to call it and I don't know what it is and I don't know what it's supposed to say. 
Um, and so I tried to do like a mini branding exercise basically to figure that out. And I also wanted to make sure that I wasn't just trying to like duplicate myself, which I realized when I did the branding exercise, because I started to like pick things that really just align with me as a person and not things that would be like accessible for everybody. So I had to, that allowed me to at least shift a little bit and say like, okay, then what follows is like, what are the goals of the program? Um, like, what are the, what's the value proposition for it? Like, why do I think this thing needs to exist? And once I'd kind of figured out some of that stuff, like writing a value statement or whatever, I made a website <laughs> that was not great, but it worked. And, uh, and that was it. Like, so the first thing was like, figured a brand out kind of, and like wrote the copy and stuff for it and then put it on a website with the brand how important is that to a program like this um you know you spoke about it, it not just being reflective of, of you as a person but how much is the success of the program really about the success of the brand i'm not sure i think you know there's a few ways to look at that like like when people say brand they think about the aesthetic or or whatever like how it feels and I wanted it to feel friendly and accessible and open. Like I've mentioned this a couple of times. I really didn't want this to feel corporate. I didn't want this to feel like there's a team of people behind side by side. Like I wanted it to feel like it was something that everybody who was in the program was contributing to and was equally a part of. This is something we talk about a lot when we do our mentor training and stuff. We co-write all of the manifestos. Um, and all of the the documentation around what mentorship is, we did all of that together. And I wanted the brand to represent this feeling of like women coming together to support each other and not just about like one person at a computer figuring this all out behind the scenes. But the other thing was that, you know, I've worked in this industry long enough to know that you need to know what the, the brand or the product or whatever stands for. And so for me, it wasn't about just like a product like a website or whatever, this program, I knew that I wanted it to be something more than that. So I wanted every for everything I did to like line up to one common goal or like vision. And so for that to happen, I needed to know what the brand stood for. And so if we were to have events or like collateral or whatever, like that you make, um, you want it to be aligned to the same vision and I think it was important, especially because really early on, people were asking to partner with us or with me or side by side. They were asking to partner with side by side. And I had to look at the brand, like the statements and stuff that I'd written and say, like, does this, does this align to our goals? Because if it doesn't, then no. And I needed like that um, like litmus test, I guess, to know what to say no to and what to say yes to. That's great. You touched on the like you didn't want it to feel like there was a team behind it. What was there a team behind this out of the gates or no <laughs> <laughs> has, has side by side outside of the mentors and mentees, just the, the program itself. Has that grown beyond just you? It's going to this week when I send out emails to people I've interviewed for like board positions. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I'm excited because I'm really tired and uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I never, I, I didn't want to put the like burden of all this work on anyone else. Originally, I decided that this was something I cared a lot about and I didn't mind spending my weekends and nights working on it. And I just, I hadn't gotten to a place where I felt I needed help until the program was in full swing, which I thought was going to be more of a rest period, but turns out 
that's not how it works. And I needed help with event planning and like we need money and grant writing and like just there's so many things that I did not foresee and that I'm not an expert in at all. And so what I've decided with like the second version of all of this is we will have a small team because yeah, I can't do it all myself. But we're doing it in a way where, you know, it's not like it's going to be like a bunch of people working together very closely with like the same mindset and goals. And I think if anything, it'll bring more diverse thinking and like a, a more diverse approach to the program overall. And so I'm excited to work with a bunch of different people to make this better the second time around. That's awesome. So stepping back, I guess a little a little bit to an earlier stage of this, did you have a a timeline in mind from when you decided you were going to do this to to launch or or to success or whatever your metric was or were you just how long were you going to give this? What was your what was your idea around timing of of building this out? Okay, here's a secret. I had no idea about any of those things. I honestly had this idea in the back of my head. I had a, a note doc on my phone with like names and this Pinterest board and that was it. And I'm one of those people where I really need to push to get something done. Like I'll wait till the last minute. And I was speaking at some speaking at like a ladies wine and design panel or something in early January, I think. And I realized I have a room full of women in the industry that I could ask if they if they want to do this. So the night before I stayed up until like three in the morning and made this website and then launched it and then launched it and was like, oh, there's all these issues with it. Darn. And like spent the morning trying to fix it. But um, it was fine. And so by the time I'd gotten to this panel, I was able to say, and... We just launched, I just launched side by side and this is what it is if anyone's interested. Um, And then like it blew up relative to like my social media presence, which is like low. Um, (laughs) So for me, it blew up and a lot of people were super interested and I got like, I think like 50 applications in the first day. It was crazy. And so like it literally went from this like idea that was floating around in my head and then like my notebook to a real thing in like 12 hours. And then I, it just, you know, I hadn't thought about anything. I'm like, when do I cut the applications off? Like, what if I don't get enough mentors? So I'll leave it open for like another week. And, you know, I left it open for a week and I got like 120 applications. And I, you know, I originally had plans to leave it open for longer, but I just didn't think I'd be able to read through that many. So I had to close it. There were just like all of these things I didn't expect. Um, and in terms of timing and like getting the program sorted, I basically had to like decide, okay, you know, maybe I need three weeks to read through applications and pick people and then like write a little bit more about the program. But then, oh, I want to have, you know, like a meetup for all the mentors so that they can, we can all feel like we're on the same page and we're aligning on what mentorship means and what it is and what it isn't. And so that's probably going to take, you know, like another week. And so I did this loose plan of when I thought the program would start. And even when we, it came to how long the program went, it was a totally a guess. Like, you know, five months because six months seems like a lot and four doesn't seem like enough. And there's all these holidays and it's summer. And so maybe five months is a good place to start. These were all just assumptions I've made, which thankfully I wrote down. And having concluded the first cohort a few months ago, was able to go back and do a bunch of like surveys and I've just been like interviewing people who were in the program to find out whether or not these things like the timing and stuff had worked for them. 
So when you, you got the website out there and you launched it and people started applying, did you have a clear sense in your head of what the what the real deliverable you need to build for this program was? You know, how, how it's going to be structured, content, I'm, all of the things that, that make the program function. Did you have a clear idea in your head at that time about what that was going to be? So yes, partially I knew I needed a program. I knew I needed like a consistent way of delivering that program. I knew I needed a way for people to communicate. So I needed a Slack group. I knew that, you know, people were going to have issues. And if they were going to, then like we needed to have a process for that. We needed to have a, um, like an agreement everyone signs to say like, be a good person and like do the right thing, et cetera. I knew that there were like some of these base level things I really wanted to do. And aside from that, there there wasn't like, hey, this is a deliverable and like it's when it this is when it's over and finished and I know how to launch it because it's a service. It's not like a it's not a product in the sense of like the traditional sense of like a product you build and like tweak later really, right? Like it's a, it's a bunch of different inter- interactions that you're designing. So like there's the way that we email people when they first join and like how do we get them involved in the program and like get comfortable with goal setting? What is the strategy around that? And then like, you know, halfway through the program, is there a way that we like get data by sending a survey out? You know, me talking to 50 people is, I learned, unsustainable. And, you know, like, hey, what about the people we didn't let into the program? What's the strategy for that? Like, do I tier them? There were all of these little pieces that kind of came together as like a more holistic view of the the program overall. But because it's not like limited to like a thing you interact with consistently in one way, it was harder to say like, this is when it's delivered or successful or whatever. Like it's it's kind of like it's delivered when the first cohort is over, but then not even really because those mentors and mentees are still talking. Like they're still work, like they've decided to go past the four month thing and like continue on their own. And so then the question becomes like, okay, cool. So the first part's done. Now, if I want to have a second cohort, I have to go find different mentors or like you know, there's just, there's so many parts of it where it's like never ending and it doesn't feel to me like a deliverable. It just felt like a bunch of kind of like different experiences that, that um, align to this greater service offering that I needed to kind of control, but was very difficult to control because it was completely like based on the two people that were not me. And so it was like designing experiences around those two people to help them have the best experience possible. That was really interesting just because it's a, it is very unique in that there's not a, there's not a release date. This isn't something you're pushing live and then just like letting people go to use. But when you talk about cohort two, I'm sure there's some structure that you've got uh, you've got in place that you want to be able to reapply now. So much. That you want to be able to repeatably kind of put in put into practice. And some of those deliverables will kind of carry over cohort to cohort to cohort. Or even if you were to expand geographically, you know, you'd be able to want to put that all down into a playbook. Yes. And so that is my current, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm trying to figure out what those pieces are. And that's partially why I've put together a small team to help do those things. One thing I had to kind of like remind, this is a little off topic, but I had to remind myself to do is, you know, I'd originally thought I'll do one cohort in the spring, summer, and one in the fall, winter of 2018. And I started to do research and realized that like, there's a lot of upfront work we have to do to make the second one better. 
And I just kept worrying about like October, how am I going to get a second cohort out by October? And then I realized I don't have to, I can wait until 2019. (laughs) And I can like, take the time that I need to get the right amount of funding to get like, you know, all of our programming and all these like, exactly as you said, like there's all these little pieces that we want to become more stable parts of the program to get those kind of like lined up and figured out before we do this a second time. And then like the true measure of success will be like, how do those folks feel about the program compared to the first cohort? Is it running more smoothly? Things like that. Like, do I have more insight into the second or do we as a team have more insight into the second cohort than the first? That was pretty difficult. It's like you're designing something and you have literally zero idea how people are doing unless you just ask them. And I don't know, I thought it was hard, like for a while, it's really hard to make something and get no feedback. You just start thinking like, oh, is this even worth it? Like, what am I even doing? And then someone sends you a message saying if it wasn't for their mentor, you know, they wouldn't have been able to get like this pay increase at their job and it totally changed their life. And, you know, now they're in a different position and it's so much better. And I think whenever I saw that, I just start crying. <laughs> I was like, it's so hard to make something and have no concept of like whether or not it's existing the way you thought it would. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So as I mean, we, we were just talking about playbooks and sort of figuring out the how this thing would actually play out over the course of a cohort on the sort of nuts and bolts level. I'd love if you could give some detail around how the program itself is actually structured. Like, what does it look like on a on a daily or weekly or, or monthly basis? Yeah, I can. The first cohort was, I think it was like five months in a week or something. But five months where you meet with your mentee every other week for an hour. And, you know, some mentors and mentees were like, we want to meet more than that. So they did. Um, and some folks decided to do the meeting remotely. But that's basically what like the core part of the program was, was like, you know, you meet with your mentor the first time, you set goals together by like the end of the first month, you should have like identified whether or not these goals are like working. Do you have short term plans and like long term plans? And then like months two and three are the meeting should be focused on trying to achieve those goals and in the in the the workplace or whatever and focusing the conversation, the conversation at first, because I mean, I keep making the dating analogy, but it's so true because at first you're just trying to get to know the other person. You don't want to be like too harsh in your criticism. You want to make sure that like you're getting to a place where you're comfortable. So by like month two and three, you can have more open, direct conversations about like your progress. The mentors are probably at this point going through a lot of like self-doubt in their minds too, where, you know, they quite often reach out to the larger group for ideas on how to tackle specific problems. And then by the end, like you're meant to have an idea of whether or not you've achieved those, the goals that you'd set out to together. And then throughout that, that like really specific one-on-one interaction that exists in the program, there were events that I kind of tried to plan. And by tried, I mean like I really failed at it. Like I, (laughs) I, I knew that there was a need for like this sense of community, which we kind of had on Slack and like we had this launch party and like we had some other stuff, but trying to like ad hoc plan events for, you know, 25 people every week, most then people just don't come. Like I want to say it's fine, but it was hard for me because I also have a life and I'm doing a lot of things and it, it was took a lot of time to plan these things that like were not attended well. 
And so I just kept thinking like, this isn't the right way to do it. It was way too ad hoc. This is like where the whole thing not being run by a team and being run by me starting to show like the seams of things are starting to show. So I decided like for the second version of this, we're going to be a little bit more structured. You know, when you join the program, you'll have a like agreement to sign based on like the time commitment, the community gathering times will have already been identified. So you can book it off in your calendar, like three months ahead of time. We'll set the expectation for like recurring mentor regroups or standups or whatever you want to call them like every other week. And I'm going to start baking some of those things that I know are helpful into the program itself versus like trying to figure out what people need as I go and doing it ad hoc, which like did not work at all. Um, So I'd say the structure of the program is like it really exists between the two people that have been paired together, which is why I keep saying it's hard for me to measure and hard for me to like understand the impact of because unless I like reach out to each person individually, it's just really hard to get that feedback. But what I'm trying to do is in the second version of it, make that a bit more structured and also create more opportunities for people to share their experiences so that it's easier for us to know how things are going. So you you just touched on it right there around measuring this, but did you have any milestones in mind for for when you actually release this? I guess for the initial release or for the initial cohort of the program? Were there, you know, was it was there a, a level of participation you hope to get? What was a measurable goal of kind of success for this? My goals are the mentees' goals. So if the majority of mentees were able to reach their goals by way of their mentor, to me that was success. It wasn't really about the program as like this overarching thing. Rather, it was just about like helping the people who had asked for help and like making sure that they got it. And so doing the interviews and stuff that I've been doing over the last few weeks, I was, I mean, I was, I'm not going to say I was shocked, (laughs) but I was pleasantly surprised that like quite often that was the case. Like either they were able to reach the goals that they'd kind of set out at the beginning, or they realized with the help of the mentor that their goals needed to change. And they were able to like structure something in a, in a new way. And of course, there were cases where like, it didn't work out. But I think for the most part, that was achieved. And so that, like, to me, if people felt, you know, I did this four or five month thing, and like, I had all these goals, and I didn't reach any of them, that's not a reason to have a second cohort. Like, If that was the case, I don't think I would continue doing this, but it seemed like it worked. And for me, if a lot of like a lot of the mentees got new jobs or and like ended up in places where like they had only kind of like dreamed to be a year ago. And so that was so amazing to hear. And if we can just do that for more and more women in the city, like I would be stoked to me. That's like the measure of success. So as you have come out of, of that first cohort, what do you think is the biggest variable that you've discovered in in the success of a mentor mentee relationship or or the success of reaching those goals that you've seen of of sort of all of the pairings that are that have have gone through that first iteration i think there's two i think one side of it is commitment so it's difficult when you meet someone for the first time to really like be vulnerable and tell them about, you know, all the things that you want to do and your goals and you you might feel like you're being judged in some way. And so it does take some commitment over the first couple of sessions to like to say, I'm going to take this amount of time out of my day. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be late. And I'm going to like really try and make this make this thing work. And so the successful pairs, which I'd say like most, that's like 98% of people were successful. So like, 
that, you know, them deciding to like take that time out of their day and be there kind of regardless of like anything apart from maybe like a vacation or an emergency was a huge part of it. Like just showing up was really important and like having those conversations in an open way. Um, And the second part of that is like this level of open-mindedness. So we talk a lot about structure, but like one thing we really wanted to make sure as mentors was that we weren't imposing our own ways of doing things on someone else. So, you know, listening, if if they're listening is such a huge part, it's so much less about saying something specific and so much more about like just hearing someone and trying to figure out like, you know, asking them the important questions. So like asking them why was so much more important than telling them why. So that was like a really huge part of like the the mentor uh, mentee relationship being successful was like noticing if things are changing or like not going in the way that, you know, they want to being able to adapt to that and change the relationship or change the structure, like structured goals or whatever to accommodate that situation was super important. With side by side, what's the next step that you see yourselves taking to work towards your mandate of more women in tech leadership positions? So I think I have to decide um, that probably soon. (laughs) I've been thinking about it a lot and I toy back and forth with like, do I want this to only be in Toronto? Originally, I'd been focusing on Toronto because I felt so strongly about people who are really good at what they do just leaving here. to go somewhere else and not giving back to the community. Like it was important to me that uh, folks who were performing at a level were able to give back to create some kind of like circular economy in the city so that like we're not just like losing talent all the time. And so that was kind of part of it. And now, you know, I've had requests to like try and do this in New York or in LA or in Montreal. And like, I think when we do the second cohort, if this becomes something that's more smoothly run um, and it's easier to do and we have like a a pattern like you said or a playbook that we can like easily copy then I'd consider you know moving this to other cities. I think the other the other thing is like apart from scaling the mentorship program to different cities there's also this idea of like if we're not just targeting folks who are in the mentorship program, what else can we do? So for example, we have an event coming up in October. We partnered with Bridge, which is another amazing um, program that you should check out. But we've been working together to hold this session on design interviews and like what is expected of you in a design interview and like how to prepare for it or or what are the questions you should make sure you're asking? Um, How should you negotiate? Like all these kind of things that we somehow don't really ever talk about. There were a lot of people who applied to Side by Side who have not ever had a job in design, which is like when I think about back when I first started working in this industry, that didn't exist. Like there were no people coming out of schools from UX. Like we just figured it out. I don't know. I read a bunch of random books or like met people on Twitter. That's honestly how I figured it out. And so now we have this influx of people coming from like ha- like boot camps or whatever and they're trying to find a job and they they don't like maybe they've been in this program for 4 months and they like have no concept of how to make this into like a career or like what is expected of them when they go to these interviews or whatever. So that was a need that we suspected kind of existed and when we worked Bridge and, and uh, side by side worked together to kind of put this event together in October and it sold out in like a day, which is really crazy. So you know, there's these like side events that we're kind of trying to do that I think are going to be important in giving back to the community as a whole versus like just focusing only on the mentorship program. I think I'm trying to figure out like 
okay, that's one way to solve this overarching problem that we've identified. What are other ways? And do they align with like the overall values we've set forth for this brand, for lack of a better word? So just to bring things full circle, having now run a a successful cohort of side by side, what do you think is the biggest thing that you've learned as a product designer? If it's like, this is so lame, and everyone says this. So it's (laughs) not anything new. But like, whatever, if it sucks in like your idea is still out there, and you can get someone to like complete a task, it's good enough to get some research and some information about it to put forth and then to try again. Like we do this thing where we talk about like, yeah, it's so important to fail in front of people. But how many people do that? Like honestly, in the workplace, like you want your designs to be perfect before you share them. You want your idea to be like fully fledged out, like fleshed out before you before you share it with somebody like I mean I even did this this week where I was working on something and I should have shared it with someone earlier and I didn't I don't know why I don't I don't know why but if anything I've learned from all of this is that like there's such a thing as good enough design like just enough to get someone to finish a task or whatever it is you're trying to do and then from there you'll have enough information to make it a better design but it's probably not going to be better if you just launch it like the first time because there's nothing to compare it to and you'll just like you'll stagnate and you won't have any like real input on like what what you should do to make it better you're just operating inside your head which is like a very isolated and like very biased place so it's a good it's just good to like put something out there like and really be open to feedback and be comfortable with it being not the the stuff you thought you wanted to hear but like know that all information that you get after you make something is good information because it's going to make the next thing better and like not being afraid of that. I think that's like a really, I know we say it a lot, but it's actually really hard to take criticism and and like I feel that for sure. Like when someone tells me that side by side like didn't work for them or like their mentor flaked on them or something, I'm like, it's like a stab in my (laughs) gut. But then I'm like, okay, this is good because I need to know how to prevent this the next time. And if I were to just have never asked, I wouldn't have known and we would have just continued to do this and it wouldn't have been great for like another person the next time. So that's awesome. I think that's a great note to wrap up on here. So a big thanks to Alicia for joining us today and thank you for listening. If you're interested in learning more, you can find all the information you need at sidexside.co. If you enjoyed this episode of Framework, Help more listeners find the show by leaving a review or rating on iTunes, or recommend this podcast to a friend. Framework is part of the Spec Network, a podcast network built to help designers and developers level up. You can find more shows like Framework over at spec.fm. Thanks to Drew Looper, who edits and helps to produce this show. If you'd like to hear someone else's product story on Framework, or tell your own, we'd love to hear from you. And our contact details and Twitter handles are on our website, framework.is. See you next time.